Today's episode of Anything is Potable is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend and earn interest on uninvested cash. And with fractional shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla, for as little as $1. That's with no commission fees or account minimums. So whether you're new to investing and ready to learn, or just looking for a better experience, stop waiting and join the 10 million Robinhood users. Listeners can get started with a free stock by going to celtics.robinhood.com. That's celtics.robinhood.com. All investments involve risk. This is not an investment advice, a recommendation, or a solicitation of any security. Other fees may apply. Visit rbnhd.co slash fees. The free stock program is subject to certain limitations. Annual percentage yield on uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Robinhood Financial is not a bank. Welcome back to Anything is Potable, the greatest Celtics podcast of all time. I'm Jay King with The Athletic, here with Sam Jam Packard, the great, the legend. Thank you, thank Samuel you. Samuel Jamison Packard III. Right on. Also with The Athletic, the Celtics have had kind of a boring stretch of basketball. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> they lost three straight games. That were just ugly. They responded with two straight blowout wins that were boring, very, very boring. Although some statistical anomalies happened in the Pelicans' win, Jason Tatum forty-one points in thirty minutes, Ennis Cantor an outrageous amount of points and rebounds in less than half the game. It was a stat game. Pad your stats, boost your percentages, boost your field goals, everything. It was not that exciting from a standpoint of pushing forward what we know about this team and questions about what we want to know from this team. It was not revealing in any way. Nope, neither was the Bulls game. Uh, There was no singular performance. They just did a real good job of spreading the ball around. I think eight guys uh, in double figures. Um, but again, is the Bulls are bad. I believe it was six guys. In double six figures. guys in double figures, eight guys with uh, with eight points or more, if uh, I remember the stat correctly. But yeah, it was uh, again the Bulls are like the Celtics. Uh, there are a lot of bad teams in the NBA this year. If you look at the standings in both the East and the West, and the Celtics will uh, soundly defeat the bad teams. Like we already know this about them. There's really nothing in those games that we like gave us any new information. Uh, about this team, especially moving forward. Because of that, we have settled on a number of questions to answer. These are questions that people are asking. The folks are out there, they're asking them. The folks are out there asking them. We've heard them. We've we've seen them in emails, in tweets. We're big questions, guys. We love asking questions. So we're going to answer a few questions. First one, who is the most underrated player on the Celtics roster and... Who is the most overrated? We'll start with underrated. Underrated? Um, This might be a hot take, but I think it's Kemba. Like, he does not really get the appreciation that he, I think, deserves. I think a lot of people will pencil him in for being an all-star, but I think a lot of that 
uh, is because he was an all-star already, but he's shooting 40% from three with like basically eight attempt, like attempts a game. That's phenomenal. We saw what the offense looked like with him out when he was sick. They just could not score points, especially in the first quarter. He is the guy who just really provides scoring for them and a lift for them. And anytime there's like kind of a, a run and they need someone to stop the run, his ability to just kind of come around to pick and pull up from three and be able to shoot 40% from three and just knock that down, he feels like uh, really important to the offense. And I think Tatum gets a lot of love because he's the, the kind of the young guy, the, the superstar to be. I think Jalen, another like homegrown person. I think Kemba, like, he gets appreciated, but I don't think, like, to the extent in which he should. Yeah, along those same lines, my pick for most underrated is Gordon Hayward. You know, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum get a lot of credit for growing, and especially Jalen this year, for getting better at making the right reads and getting better at, you know, kicking the ball out. Well, Gordon Hayward's advanced at that stuff. And I think because of how much attention is paid to Tatum and because of how much attention is paid to Brown in the media, and it, it makes sense those guys are young, they're still growing. Their growth is probably the most important long-term variable for the Celtics. But Hayward's sitting there, and he's been super efficient. He almost always makes the right play. He's the guy that they rely on, along with Kemba, to, to drive a lot of their offense. And like the Chicago game, I think was a really good example because he missed his first seven shots. And it was sort of like the, an Al Horford game in the sense that he didn't post a huge stat line. He didn't score a lot. And at the end of the night, you're like, oh, eight assists. He made the right play every time they tried to blitz him. He found a lot of open guys. The Celtics were a lot better when he was on the court because he was on the court. And it seems like he does that a lot and it doesn't always get noticed. The one thing about him that's kind of been weird is he's not getting free throw attempts this year. Like it has been, he's totally dwindled. Um, hasn't gotten to the line at all. I, I think that's an issue for the Celtics. He's, he's got to be able to draw contact. He used to be able to draw contact. It just hasn't been there this year. He's not even drawing as many free throws as he did last year when he was still, you know, coming back from that horrific ankle injury. He doesn't seem like he goes up strong. Like he does makes a very concerted effort of getting into the paint and like him getting into the paint usually leads to good things because of all the things you said of making the right read. And um, he's very good at that pull up jumper and like finding his players. The thing I think makes the both Kemba and Hayward underrated is that they're both very willing to defer and kind of play within the offense. And I think that's like kind of the exact types of player that Brad Stevens like. It's like he always talks about making the right read. Um, but Kemba against the Bulls, I think he only had nine shots. Uh, they're both very willing to make the assist. And I think that's why they don't get as much of the shine. It's just like Gordon Hayward plays a very boring and consistent style of basketball where it's just like making the right pass um, he's not going to do cool dunks. Like he had the opportunity to like really go up there and do a cool uh, alley oop, uh, but nope, laid it off the glass. You know why? Because that's two points too. Um, but I think they've both been very solid. Uh, Hayward, since he came back in Christmas, he's averaging 14 points a game, almost six boards, four assists. Like he's just a very solid player, and it feels like when he's playing well, the Celtics are at their best. 
Um, but I think it's kind of both those guys' willingness to play within the system and just kind of um, not look for their own shots, really just kind of trying to probe the defense and uh, get the best shots for others is what makes them less appreciated. It feels like when Jalen's having a good game, he's either doing like attacking the rim and getting like and ones or knocking down a lot of threes or, and when Tatum has a good game, he explodes for 40. Like they have the kind of more exciting things when Hayward and Kemba have a good game. It's just like very solid eight assist nights where they score maybe 14. Who's the most overrated? I think I was looking at the roster now. I think it's Ennis. Okay. Like, I think Ennis is both underrated and overrated. So, to me, Cantor's limitations are so obvious that people bash him for his lack of defense and don't necessarily realize he is one of the greatest offensive rebounders of all time. How many of his offensive rebounds come off his own miss? He's very, very good at being 6'10", 250 pounds, and standing in the restricted area. I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. But, like, against the Bulls... All he did was stand in the dunker spot and just wait for some other guy to come in and his defender would come off of him. I think there's like so he's so polarizing that like people who are in the pro canter camp give him so much credit. Uh, but how for, big is the pro canter camp? It's out there. People who are, who are pro canter, they hear all the anti canter and they go so far in the other direction. I don't know. I mean, this is my immediate reaction. Who else do you think was overrated on this team? So this is going to be a hot take. I love it. This is going to, I think. Take people by surprise. Ooh. Ooh. He's going to say Marcus Smart. He's been out for a while. Robert Williams. The best ability is availability? No. Robert Williams, to me, like, too many people see his flying dunks and all his acrobatic blocks and the steals and the highlights, and he delivers a lot of those. And he's gotten way, way better. But Robert Williams makes a ton of mistakes still. And I think this year he's given them a lot more than I expected. He's been, he's, his growth is obvious, but to me, like he does enough loud things that people kind of overlook the fact that he's out of position a lot defensively. But who's, and, who's out here overrating Robert thro- Williams? throws outlet passes away. They're... He hasn't played since December 6th. No one's out here like clamoring like Robert Williams is the solution to everything. No one has even talked about Robert Williams. He's been an afterthought. You okay, can't so, be so who's the most overrated? Is Tatum? I think it might. I'm trying to like think of like who on this team. Like Marcus, I think, has really struggled shooting the ball recently. Uh, and so maybe he gets overrated for his um, kind of ability on offense. But then he kind of goes out and does all the winning plays i mean looking at the roster who do you think gets more credit than there they are many, deserve there are many overrated dudes on the south i think tatum because of how much love his scoring gets and but also like his defense probably doesn't get his as defense much, doesn't get as, as much love yeah i think Jalen might been, be he's been great two-way and I, I i think you know he's got a super bright future Jalen, like those guys are just really good it, like I, I I don't know. This is this is a tough question. What about Romeo Langford? People, he's got a he's got the best defensive rating on the team. I hear see people tweeting about clamoring for more Romeo minutes, which seems insane to me. Romeo super overrated. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay, let, let's get to the next question. Celtics main guys finally healthy all at the same time. What have you seen from that group over the past? However many well, it's been interesting because they finally got healthy, and then they had 
two just really lousy performances against the Wizards and the Spurs. I'm not was someone out for that Wizards game? I can't remember. But it was interesting after that Spurs game, Brad Stevens basically Campbell was out for the Wizards game. He was. But that Spurs game, they were all back. Um, and Stevens basically just came out and threw the, their effort under the bus, which I think is not Brad, it feels like really hesitant to kind of criticize his team in the media, but he was very quick to just say like, they wanted it more. We didn't try hard enough. Um, and they've kind of corrected that course, but that small, that five best lineup, uh, has not really produced anything great. Uh, we saw it in flashes against the Sixers game and it wasn't the, the best. I don't know. I, I haven't like seen a noticeable difference now that the team's uh, entirely healthy other than that kind of blip uh, of effort, which I don't really understand, but I think it was just kind of the doldrums of a kind of a, a tired schedule or probably a lot of people were sick, but I don't know. It hasn't been like the eye-opening experience that uh, I thought and kind of hoped it would be just because I don't know if they're still trying to get it together or they're still trying to figure out what their roles are. Brad seems to be still kind of experimenting with rotations in terms of feels like Tatum's solidly like this like the main guy in the second unit but it's like in terms of who what other guys he's paired with I don't know it hasn't been the the kind of explosive uh unit that I think that kind of will, everyone imagined it would be um when everyone was fully healthy yeah I think part of that was the schedule I think you know they played five games in seven days they have an insane amount of games in January and yeah and so like when I was sitting in Philadelphia just totally wiped out sitting waiting for the game i was like yeah well maybe the celtics are in trouble yeah. <laughs> and, and when i'm exhausted i assume the players are um so the, the, i think that had part of it i think part of it was marcus smart missed a long time and came back and he had like he hasn't forced much over the past couple of seasons or forced nearly as much as he used to for a couple of games, he was forcing stuff. He was, but he was he was knocking them down against Philly. He was if he wasn't in it, they would have got crushed. Yeah, the Philly game, he started playing really well. The, the last couple of games, he's played really well. I think when when he makes good decisions, and when Gordon Hayward makes good decisions, and when Tatum and Brown make good decisions, like those guys, they can be play some really really good basketball together. I I saw, you know, I, I think there's some angst from fans about how well the Celtics' best players fit together and whether they have too much overlap. Um, and I, I think that's it's worth watching a little bit. Uh, like Jalen Brown, the past five games, has he's been struggling. Like They got healthy, and, and Jalen all of a sudden started struggling. I think his issues are more like he just hasn't made layups. Yeah. Um, he's shooting 30.3% over the last five games. And like layups he normally hits. It's not like Jalen's been frozen out because other guys are getting opportunities or it's like he's just not making some of the shots that he had made or Yeah, he's shooting year. 28% from the three-point arc during that time. Like just weird wide-open struggles that won't last longer than a short blip. Do you think it's harder for the T, like because the talent is so spread out among... I guess we'll say the top five guys. I'm not really counting Marcus in this because he's kind of a wild card where he's mostly a defensive energy guy and sometimes he can shoot. But in terms of scoring and opportunities, because it's four different guys and anyone can get hot any other night and sometimes you like Tatum gets hot, you defer to him. It doesn't feel like the team's really found a rhythm of like 
who are we going to in this moment? Who's like who's dominating oh, the second really? quarter? Oh, really? Yes. Would you like to hear the stats when the four starting perimeter players are on the court? I would. The Celtics offense is scoring 121.1 points per 100 possessions. Not bad. Which is insane. What is their defensive rating? That's insane. 109.2, which isn't as good as it should be, I think, with those guys. But, I mean, 121.1 points per 100 possessions is startling number. And... So I think those guys can have all proven they can. So play the answer that. is no, Jam. Your theory is bullshit. <laughs> I, I am not sold on your theory. I'll just put put that. Then why is there so much angst? People were furious after the three game losing streak. I think that was the first time that there were question marks about the team. It's been an easy ride all season until that three game losing streak, and so what? What are you going to say? Like, like, oh, they struggled against his own defense. No, nobody gives a shit about that. Oh. It was a tough schedule. No, like people aren't going to get angsty about that. You're going to you're going to start, start to immediately think the worst. We like, got it. five Gordon Hayward trades that could revolutionize the Celtics season. Yeah, so it, people quickly think the worst when often it's not nearly as bad or as serious as it seems. I think Brad Stevens put it best. You're never f- no. You're you're not as good as you think you are. And you're not as bad as you think you are, but you're never far from either. Ooh, that little—I was going to say that little twist at the end. I—I I thought you were just using a very cliche, but that little twist. Yeah. Ooh, I, when I, did he say that? Where was I? I think I may have butchered it. He said it a few times over the years, but he said it most recently, I believe, after the uh, 76ers game, or before the Pelicans game, before the Pelicans game, probably. So I think I think the Celtics players like they can thrive together, and I think. Especially the way that Kemba draws attention and the way that other guys are starting to draw attention. And the way that we talked about earlier, Kemba and Hayward are very much willing to take that attention and move the ball and make the right read. There should, like, the thing I brought up was a possible, like, egos are not gelling together. But no, the first segment of this show is very much talking about Kemba and Hayward being very willing to accept their role to kind of give uh, other guys the opportunity I mean, I think Hayward does a good job of drawing two and finding the right guys. I think the Celtics are actually doing a pretty good job of another basketball cliche, but like giving up good shots to try and get great shots. Like the ball movement, especially uh, after the Philly game, it feels like there's an emphasis on, or at least Brad said, like getting to the second side of really moving the basketball. They did that quite well in these last two games, again, against not great defenses. I mean, the Pelicans are awful, but yeah, I don't see... There's not big problems. I think a lot of it is they lost on national television to the Sixers for the third time this year. Oh, which brings us to our next question. How bad is the Celtics 76ers problem? Like they, the 76ers this time did not have Joel Embiid and were still too big and too physical for the Celtics and still hurt them inside and still got offensive rebounds. And like the main antidote they have to that is to put Ennis Cantor on the floor, right? Like, he's their main size guy. He's the one who's going to kind of be burly. But then he can't do anything in the pick and roll, and Josh Richardson scores 10 straight points just because they get a switch. But but here's the thing. Like, Josh Richardson, if he's shooting jumpers, I don't think he kills you. Like, obviously, he was super hot. He killed hot. him in that third He was quarter. super hot that game. But, like, over the long run, you'll live with, like, Josh Richardson trying to cook most of the time. Yeah, but I mean, it, it's the it, the frustrating thing is like the same thing happened with Ish Smith is like Cantor can be exposed 
defensively, and but he is your only really like size option. Like if Embiid was playing, Tice can't do anything with him. Cantor can like play some solid, I guess, physical defense in the post, but other than that, so say they have Embiid on the court and you need some size in there, but then they say have also have a shifty guard who can kind of expose Cantor uh, and pick and roll. What's the what's the next option? And I think the question is like the, clearly they are going to struggle with the 76ers. They're the 76ers have already won the season matchup. Like they're going to struggle with size. The 76ers are huge. I mean, Al Horford is just like a backup center and was flexing all over them. I think it's like, what do you, you acknowledge you have a problem, but what do you do? Do you go out and make a trade and really like change up your roster just to try and kind of hopefully deal with that Sixers size issue? Or do you just kind of one, hope you avoid them in the playoffs or two, hope you can cook up something that can kind of counteract their size because right. Like they just don't, if the 76ers play the Celtics in the playoffs, I think the like the 76ers would win in five. Like there's just, and I think the 76ers would probably lose to the Bucks, Pacers. I don't know about Pacers. They just beat them recently, but I remember, forgot Joel and beat us out. But it's, clearly there's a matchup issue there where it's, and I don't think it's uh, something that like the Celtics face against any other team in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about this a lot, and if if a series happens, there will be much consternation oh, from from Celtics fans. Plenty of consternation, consternation galore. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, I I just don't know what the solution is, and maybe it's your offense has to be better so that you're not in transition, so that you don't give up the easy buckets to Simmons. You have to run and, those four guys out there scoring 121 points. And, like, they have to consistently – like, you have to beat the Sixers with threes while they try to pound you inside with twos. Like, you just have to win the math thing. And maybe it's the best five lineup if they can, like, figure that out. But if Jalen's not shooting up to his potential for three and Smart's not shooting up to his potential for three, like, it's a very good offensive lineup. But those guys aren't elite three-point shooters. And so I think that's, like, maybe what you try. But we, we saw it uh, against – uh, the Sixers, and it just that it didn't really work because the shots weren't falling. Yes, the the next question is just a dumb question. I'm gonna I'm gonna preface it with that. I don't know why. Hold we're, on, hold on. Before we get to that question, I don't know why we're even discussing. All right, it. well, so let's let's. Uh, I got a new question. We any new question. are there any trades out there? Well, it's, I'm rejecting the idea that they have to trade for a big. Like, there's just not a big out there that they're gonna be able to get. Who's just like no one's out there who can just stop Joel Embiid. You've been on the train of they need bench scoring. Is there any trades out there that kind of like make sense to you where you only have to give up um, Shemi and Vinny Sexfinger or like Shemi and a pick? The only thing out there that I've seen is Bielitsa from the Kings. He's not like the robust defender, but he's a guy who can who's shooting 40%. Uh, they have a like a log jam of bigs at the Kings. Like he's like that's the type of deal that would make sense. Um, but anything like beyond that, I haven't seen a deal because there's like, you know, it's trade season where everyone's going to the trade machine and writing their articles. That's the only one I've thought like, Hmm, that could work. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't move the needle, but it's like a little bit more shooting and some size. I think that would be the type of player they'd want. Like someone with a little bit of size who can shoot and space the floor for their creators. Does that move the needle against? The 76ers? No, it doesn't. He doesn't like he doesn't change your <laughs> does, big giant Joel that, Embiid does problem. Does that change things if you run into Giannis in the playoffs? Like, who knows? 
Who it knows? makes the team marginally better. And so it's like, is it worth it to give up something of value for that like marginally better chance uh, in the playoffs? Yeah, I think those are the types of guys the Celtics should be looking at. The guys that can space the floor a little. But like you said, getting a big is just super hard. And it's super hard to design a trade or conjure a trade to, to solidify the interior with someone who can hold up against a Joel Embiid type in the playoffs. Probably not going to happen. But bench scoring could happen. That's what they should look at. This next question is dumb. I've already told you it's dumb. How long will it take for Brad Stevens to be on the hot seat? Ooh, hot seat. Hot seat. It's not an, it's, it's a short-term it's not a short-term question. It's a long-term question. But what are we talking about? What are we why are when we talking about? When is Brad Stevens coaching for his job? What are we even talking about? Last year, he had a bad year. Mm-hmm. This year, his this team year they don't have, this year smashed all expectations. Okay, but they have no chance of winning the championship. Why? We just talked about their Joel Embiid Giannis problem. Do you think they have any chance of making the championship this year? Yeah, I think they have a chance to make the finals, and I think if you make the finals, what's most likely to happen? They're certainly not the favorites. I think the Bucks are the favorite. I think if they run into the Seventy Sixers, they could be in trouble. But I also think like there's a small chance for them to come out of the East. It's it's not total. Like we've never seen the Bucks, this Bucks team get past the second round. We've never seen the, the – I guess they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals last year. We've never seen them make it to the finals. We've never seen the six, Sixers team get out of the second round. Like these teams, the best teams in the East, are unproven. And they all have major questions. I'm not saying that his, he's on the hot seat this year. I'm saying this is long-term. Like what if he, the Celtics lose in the second round this year and then next year – they're just like in a, a similar spot. It's like not like the roster is going to have a total makeover change. So this, I, this is why it's a dumb question. He's one of the coach of the year front runners right now. Maybe that's a better question. He's should he be the coach of the year right now? If you have no, voting today, no. Who do you think is there? Uh, I got my answer. Who should be coach of the year? Gary uh, Washburn's favorite coach, Nate McMillan. There you go, Nate McMillan. <laughs> I don't know why I knew what you were talking about, but Nate McMillan is definitely a. I mean, the Pacers are playing out of their mind without Oladipo, and just they have to be there. I think Spolstra deserves some credit just because the Heat are playing a little bit better than anticipated. It's basically just like whose team is better than expectations, and I think all three of those coaches deserve um, some sort of credit. Nick Nurse deserves a lot of credit too. Also outperforming expectations. And so much of it is like outperforming expectations. It's a lot of it. It's a narrative-driven it just, award. Yeah, it's it can be a dumb award in in some aspects. All right, we've gotten too hyped up. We need to calm down. We do. We talk about physical fitness a lot, but there's another side to the game that's just as important. I'm talking about mental fitness. Calm, the number one app for sleep and meditation, has teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind. LeBron and Calm know that your mind is like any other muscle in your body. And Calm can help you train your brain so you sleep better, have less stress, and perform at your best. For a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron in using Calm with a 40% discount to an annual membership at calm.com slash Celtics. Again, that's calm.com slash Celtics. Unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at calm 
dot com slash Celtics. That's calm dot com slash Celtics. That, that is, is, that is elite, a mouthful. You did an elite job of pronouncing the L in calm. Really, really good stuff calm. there. Calm.com. Like that, that calm.com really with LeBron. It's a lot of... A lot of Calm.com. Slash Celtics. They don't make it easy <laughs> no. to, re, to, to do that ad read, but... You know what? We powered through. Life's, life's not easy. NBA basketball is not easy. Ooh. Jalen Brown recently has discovered that. It looked looked easy for most of the season for him. Super efficient. Last five games, like we said, 30.3% shooting from the field, 28% shooting from downtown. His numbers are down across the board. To what do you attribute this, and how worried are you about Jalen's recent slippage? I got nothing to attribute it to. Like, we talked about it. He's just missing layups. Um I don't know. You're you're the beat writer. You explain it. You explain it to me because I don't. There's nothing clear in his game. It's not like he's being less aggressive. Um, I think maybe he could be more aggressive in going to the rim. He really got like a lot of uh, a lot of his points came with him being patient and kind of like pump faking defenders. And it feels like he kind of lost that homicidal edge that he had in the earlier in his career. And I think he could go to the line more, um, which he's doing quite well at. Um, but I don't know. I don't have a, a great reason. Uh, for his slippage. Speaking of homicidal dunks, so many homicidal dunk attempts. All attempted game. murders, no successful murders. <laughs> Tatum had one, which would have been the sequence of the year. It would have been amazing. He had the chase down block at one end, comes back the other way, does the rondo to lose one defender, skies into the air, and tries to cram on someone's head. I forget who it was. Unfortunately, it didn't work Gafford, out. who had yeah. a solid, pretty, solid performance. I'm a, I'm a Gafford guy. I am a Gafford guy. Um, but then didn't draw the foul because, of course, Tatum can not draw, get the call on that. But And then Jalen had two of those, and then Tatum had another one. Yeah, a lot of – like, Jalen had that homicidal edge yesterday. So, I don't know. What, like, what do you attribute his, his lower shooting percentage? And I think the other question is, has he cost himself a chance at the All-Star game with this, like, recent dip in uh, his performance? No. No, because he's still – I mean, he's still putting up – even in this five-game stretch, he's still putting up 15.4 points. He's still averaging close to five rebounds. He's still averaging 20 for the season. Yeah, per game. so this stretch has definitely not cost him a chance at the All-Star game. It may knock him down a peg in, in some coaches' voting. Someone's been, someone's been reading the Celtics propaganda. <laughs> Speaking of propaganda, Grant Williams yeah. said he would dye his hair pink. If Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Gordon Hayward, and Kemba Walker, not Gordon Hayward, all make the All Star team, he volunteered I, this information. This was not like someone suggested it, and he said, "Yeah." This was uh, him saying, "I will dye my hair for these three guys." Now the Celtics deny that they uh, trotted him out there to kind of give that propaganda speech after the Bulls win. I am not saying that the Celtics put him up to it, but I'm not not saying it either. I'm saying they provided him with the materials and the situation uh, necessary enough for that speech to be made. He did not have a good enough game to necessarily deserve his own media scrum. That was not a podium game for Grant Williams, but somehow we were told after the game... Grant would be speaking to the media. And so, I'm just saying the opportunity was there for him to make that speech. But that's all we can say at this point. <laughs> that's all we can say. We're not here to uh, slander the Celtics staff by any means. But 
they may have nudged him into making that. I mean, they know Grant just, likes just the saying. likes the cameras, likes the attention. You give him the you give him the prop pieces of uh, each sheet that says uh, why the, each player deserves in the All Star game. He's going to talk. Um, I don't think all three guys are going to make it. I actually do think Jalen. He's a borderline all star. Like I think he's like is deserving, but there's a lot of talented basketball players out there, yeah. and I think like for him to have some slippage in his game while Tatum is having these kind of big scoring nights, I just don't think the Celtics right now are going to get all three just because there's six very good teams in the East with stars. But, Plus Trey Young's going to be there uh, in all like lead voting. Like Kyrie's probably going to get votes. Here's like, the thing though, like people always say, I don't know if the Celtics are going to get three. I don't know if. I think the Bucks deserve at least two or three, like at least two. Um, I don't think coaches think about that when they're filling out their ballot. So coaches pick the reserves. And there's no way a coach is sitting there like, you know what, I'm not going to vote for Tatum because I don't think the Celtics deserve three. It's going to be who are the seven most deserving Yeah, but candidates. there's going to be like deference to Chris Middleton and... Ben Simmons, who's not going to start, and Joel Embiid. Like, there's are just a lot of talented players. Jimmy Butler deserves a place. Yeah, like, there are definitely a lot of guys in the the conversation. A lot of guys who have a chance. A lot of guys Brad, who like, aren't is like Bradley Beal an All Star this yes, year? Yes, he should be. Oh, so because like, like even with the bad teams in the East, there's still these star players where I think like because they're the stars on worst teams, they're going to get more kind of credit and probably deservedly so because they have more. Yeah, they have more on their back. Like, they have more responsibility. I think it's one of the reasons why Tatum is more deserving than Jalen, just because I feel like he has more responsibility, just gets more attention. I just think Jalen is like a borderline player, so having a bad two weeks right before the All-Star game, not the best for his candidacy. Yeah, the, both those guys, to me, are borderline in the conversation for like the last two or three slots. And that's that's just how it's going to be. I before this podcast, I asked Jay King to pick his Eastern Conference All Stars, and he just flat out refused because he's not going to buy into your media games. He's not part of. A, he's not playing those games. He'll react once the All Stars come we've, out. We've talked about the All Star game. We never picked the exact team, bro, and that's. Uh, and I respect you for refusing to do so. Thank you. <laughs> One dude who, who will definitely be on the All Star team is Yon. Oh yeah. He probably the MVP. He and the Bucks are hosting the Celtics on Thursday. Big game. Top two teams in the East. It is going to be probably electric. Has a chance to be electric. What do the Celtics need to do against Giannis? And how sustainable is it to have Marcus Smart guard him like he did during their matchup the first week of the season? I mean, it worked decently in that game it worked really well in that game they had the crazy comeback where everything clicked and they looked and the bucks just stopped making three-point shots um i think it's their best chance right now i think there's uh i don't know do you think tatum is like a, a serviceable option against Giannis? he certainly has the length but i feel like tatum is really best when he's playing kind of help defense and has kind of been passing lanes and using his length that way i mean you definitely Right now, Marcus Smart's not even in the starting lineup. So, like, do you start Marcus just to play against uh, Giannis? How do you, like... Probably have Jalen. Probably have Jalen start him at the start. I think you throw a bunch of different looks at him. Um, but I think, like, the... I don't know. I think the key is, is you got to limit the, the Bucks three-point shooting and kind of let Giannis get his. Like, I don't know. There's no real great answer with the Bucks, But that felt like their downfall um, 
in well, that early game. What was so impressive season. about the Boston defense in that first matchup was they were able to limit Giannis and cut off the three-point arc. Yeah. Like, that that double is really, really tough to do. Smart was magnificent against Giannis and just such a pest against Giannis in that game. I I hope he matches up against Giannis a lot just because it's great theater. Yeah. Whenever Marcus Smart is up against a much bigger dude. <laughs> it's fantastic. And in this case, a dude who's the MVP of the entire National Basketball Association, it just sets up for fantastic drama because Smart relishes those moments and he relishes those opportunities and he knows he's at a disadvantage size-wise and he just tries to make up for it by being a, a super intelligent defensive lunatic. Yeah, that's a perfect way to describe it. I think like the matchup for the Celtics is much better against the Bucks than it is the 76ers cuz the Bucks don't run post-ups. Like occasionally they'll run the Brook Lopez post-up, but the Celtics defense is Double scramble, just like flying around. Like, it's no wonder Marcus Smart is like the best of, uh, like, and leader of that. And so I think they're going to be doing a lot of double, doubling Giannis and just scrambling to, to shooters. And hopefully, like, they do enough to kind of disturb that. But I think it's like a much better suited for their defensive style. It's just, it's like not like Daniel Tice is going to get beat on, like, on the block by Robin or Brooke or Robin Lopez for that matter. One thing that, that the, this matchup presents too is a chance to see how the Celtics take advantage of Milwaukee's like guard everything the- at the rim defense. Like last year the formula was obvious. The Celtics obviously didn't execute it during the playoffs, but the formula was run pick and pops without Horford, use him to spot up, break the defense. They don't have that stretch big anymore. And so what do they rely on, you know, a, a steady diet of pull-up threes, whether it's Kemba coming off a high screen and roll and Brooke Lopez is sitting in the paint waiting and Kemba just well, This fires is where away. you use the best five lineup. But like, this is where you put your yeah, five guys I, and you stretch out the floor and you make Brooke Lopez be on the perimeter. I, I, want, I want the best five lineup in the Milwaukee game. I want Gordon Hayward guarding Brooke Lopez – I want the Celtics scrambling like hell trying to stop Giannis. I want to see how that matchup works and whether the Celtics can hold up. And I think that that is the type of matchup where Brad will think, you know what, this could potentially work. Let's experiment with it. Let's throw it out there and let's see if we have enough size to kind of get away with that. And it's, it's like the Bucks are just definitely like it feels like the Celtics as currently built are designed to beat the Bucks, not to beat the Sixers. And so this like feels like a much more favorable matchup to them. And then like if the best five lineups going to work, like this is the the best opportunity they have because Brooke Lopez is good. He can shoot the threes now, which is a uh, good for him. Um, but it's not like he's plotting underneath and he can certainly he's not cancer bad but he can certainly uh, be exposed in turn like when he's forced down on the perimeter we're recording in my apartment right now my roommate just got back from a big walk he he actually took pre-workout before he took, before he took a walk which I Ooh. <laughs> oh he jogged my job. the he, pre-workout got the jog the he, he says he jogged but he came back with a bag from yankee candle Jogged right so, to the candle store. So he might have jogged straight to the candle store and and used that pre-workout to light his, his wick. 
Ooh. 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 Kid pulling out vocab today. Anyway, we got to get to Settlers of Catan. Grant Williams is Settlers of Catan table. Four guys most deserving of a spot. Not necessarily the four best players from the week, but the four who exceeded expectations, did and, something important. And you changed the rules. It doesn't even have to be four guys anymore. Could be moments. It could be just no, feelings most, you had. Most of the time it will not be moments or <laughs> J. King feelings. It, uh, I think you should have one feeling a week from Jay King. Okay, who's who's number one? Jason Tatum. He scored forty-one points in three quarters. It's pretty obvious. Yeah, that would be a pretty good pretty, choice. Pretty good game from him. Pretty good choice. I think you also have to put Canner in there because he almost got a twenty-twenty. I mean, twenty-twenty. I know I'm not a base ten and, guy. And then he followed up with fifteen points in the first half against Chicago. He has largely been pretty pretty good. So we'll throw Cantor in there. That's two easy ones. Now, then it, you go then in it back, gets a there's not a lot of great performances against the... Actually, Kemba was really, really good against the Sixers. Yeah. I think, like... Marcus Smart is the guy to me. The obvious one. He earned, he, he, he earned the Brad nod of he was the best player for the past three games. Like, if Brad was voting, he would vote Marcus Smart. He went buck wild against the Sixers last two games. He's been a pest. He's made really good decisions. He has been efficient. Marcus Smart deserves it. That's three. And the feeling of the, the week. And then you went with Kemba. So. Oh, no. Jay doesn't want to talk about his feelings. How about Kemba's the feeling you get when you see Javante uh, jump? <laughs> it's just... Honestly, every time, no matter how many times he jumps, I am taken aback. The man just... There's just a lot of power behind that jump. He jumps high. He jumps far. Like, every like every time, each one more wrapped him up with like right before he's about to do a very cool dunk, and he should be fine for it because it was it was going to be electric. I need each one less of that. Oh, boo, boo. <laughs> Let's end there. Let's end there. And end end with a low. This is the uh, free episode of the Anything Is Potable podcast. Please subscribe to us on iTunes, on Spotify. Make sure to give us a five-star rating. We need those. Give us a review. Say great things about us. And come back to listen to us next time. We'll have a the subscriber episode. So you'll have to subscribe to The Athletic to hear that one. Please do that. You can go to theathletic.com slash anything is potable for a 40% discount. I sure, believe. Young Man Works Company. I think it's a 40% discount, but whatever it is, it's worth it. So do that. Come back to us. Listen to us. We'll be back with a Thursday night podcast Post game after, after the big after the Bucks, Bucks matchup. Yeah, so come back and listen to that. This episode of the Anything Is Potable podcast is over. Shouts to my uh, Weird Celtics Twitter friends who I met. Shouts to uh, the Lego man for coming all the way to Poland. And thank you for listening to Anything Is Potable!